the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network, joined mostly by uh, BCS themselves, the heartbeat of our college football coverage. We got Colin Wilson, Stucky, and then Mike Calabrese is off the bench this week, filling in for Brett McMurphy. Brett was down in Stillwater for Bedlam. I uh, I guess it's going to take him a week after that. Maybe he followed the goalposts. Uh, down to the uh, river, pond, whatever sort of uh, water they threw that into. I have not been down to Stillwater, so I couldn't tell you. But I think, guys, we're going to start with the SEC. Um, Alabama, they beat LSU 42-28. to Georgia over Missouri 30-21. to And when you look at that, it says that this SEC picture is getting quite clear. It looks like we're on a collision course for Georgia and Alabama in that title game. And it leads me to to lead off with a question. I guess uh, I'll get I'll get Stucky's little piece on this. Is there value now at Alabama seven to one to win the national championship on BetMGM? Is this is this where we should be looking? And this Bama team has answered a lot of questions. Uh no. Uh, there's there's not value. I mean, look, they could lose they could lose at Kentucky this weekend. Um, but like even if you just ignore that game, let's ignore that game. Let's even ignore at Auburn where weird things can happen and they could lose that game. And then let's ignore, obviously they're going to beat Chattanooga. So SEC championship against Georgia. Let's just for conservative sake, we'll call it a pick. And then let's call the first semifinal a pick and the national championship a pick. Okay. Just for ease of this exercise. That's plus 100 plus 100 plus 100 seven to one just for them to win the SEC championship and two college football playoff games. And you're not even accounting for the fact that they could lose at Kentucky or at Georgia. People are forgetting, like they almost lost at A&M, you know, Arkansas only lost by three. You know, they beat the shit out of one of the worst power five defenses in college football. Like it's not, not, I don't think anything has changed that much, but my, if you really do love Alabama money, money line rollover, start it. In Lexington this weekend, it's going to pay more than seven to one. These markets generally don't have much value. The hold is too big. And especially like a trendy name like Alabama after uh, a big win over LSU. Moneyline rollover if you like them. Because if you moneyline rollover and starting the SEC championship, assuming they get there, you're going to get seven to one uh, or around there. So no, zero value. Yeah, I guess I'm guessing too, um, you wouldn't include chattanooga in the money line rollover but uh colin you could you could pick you up con- you could pick up a couple cents a couple cents <laughs> okay all right fair all right yeah fair enough uh i i would be ignoring that game if i was going to do the exercise colin uh, do you tend to concur with stucky here uh yes and no i mean i think alabama does have a little bit of value but seven to one is the last price you're going to take because there's only three teams in college football that are power rated higher than alabama right now that's oregon michigan and georgia Two of those might have to be ones that Alabama would have to face on their route to the college football playoff. If you were simply just a parlay, not, forget Alabama, you just parlay three games at minus 110, you're looking at six to one as the rollover there. So it's if you got the ability to have a money, an open parlay card for Alabama, I would go that route. If not, there's really only two teams on the board where I could suggest that you throw your money at this week. One of them being Alabama, because if you look at their path, like like Stucky said, Georgia, Michigan, whoever's going to be there in the college football playoff, assuming it would all be within minus two or plus two, then that's about the price it's going to be. But you have to, again, you're not going to get any value on these money lines against Auburn and, and the FCS game, the, the 10 horn game that Alabama is going to play. But 
really none of the numbers on the board have any value. The ones that are close to where their cutoff is, is Alabama. And then the other one, which I don't want things thrown at me on this um, podcast or show uh, is Penn state at hundred to one right now, Iowa would win them the tiebreaker. Now you need Penn state to beat Michigan and you need, you need uh, Michigan to beat Ohio state, which factors into the 100 to one, but Iowa has that lead and Iowa would give Penn state that leg up for the conference championship. So the only two teams I can suggest are Alabama and Penn state. You agree. It's the, the, the parlay pays more. And like, they're, they're only a 10 point favor at Kentucky. Like you have, you have to include that too. They could lose that game. Um, right. Well, they're, so they're not going to come on. They're not going to lose to Kentucky. I'm, I'm, I'm saying they could, and that's included in the futures price. So you include that in your money line rollover too. We're, you're, we're only talking about the three games. Yeah. If they, if they lose to Kentucky, they're out. So you start your money line rollover this weekend against Kentucky. And then you have the three more games. Uh, you even also have Auburn. We've seen weird things happen between now. But, so that's another uh, money line rollover point. Like this price is basically just assuming Alabama's already in the SEC title. Yep. And then that's your money line rollover. But you have two other games that they technically could lose. If not, you're still you still include them in your bet to start things off. Yeah, but none of these numbers yeah. are are suitable for buying. I mean, but this though, that's the it's that that's the way that it is at the end of the season here. They're just gonna give you what the price would be on a rollover from conference championship through the playoff, and they don't consider the rest of the remaining schedule. I love how we were also able to squeeze in uh, some Big Ten tiebreakers into the discussion as well. <laughs> something something we've been we've been touching on uh, nearly every week. It feels like and also Stucky, the money that um two keys and staggering would make if uh uh, Kentucky was able to pull off the upset against Alabama, you know, fact. Yeah, it sucks. The- that I have some Alabama fans coming to visit, which will be fun. Um, they're going to the game and then after we'll, we'll hang out. It sucks that it's at noon, but you know, just like for the bars, it's not ideal, but if they do beat Alabama, it'll be fun for after. Calabrese, take us home. You've been doing a lot of nodding over there. Take, take us home. Yeah, I love the way that they laid out um, talking about the rollover and this essentially is Vegas speaking to casuals that don't either have the math skills or the patience to be able to roll over week after week. There's no reason whatsoever you should take seven to one if you're interested in them actually winning the national title. I am interested in Jalen Milrow because in the market, you can still get him at 66 to one to win the Heisman. I understand that LSU had a bunch of freshmen in their secondary and they had to go vanilla with a lot of their play calls, but that performance on national television to put them back into the college football playoff race with the opponents they have left. I'm looking at the marquee opportunities to be able to play Georgia and Atlanta to knock off a Georgia team that I think at that point will be on what a 30 game win streak. The narrative is there if he blows up. So when I look at the guys in front of him, Ollie Gordon, great story. He's not going to win the Heisman trophy. He's 35 to one. Then you got Marvin Harrison jr. Just the offense doesn't allow him enough opportunities to rack up the stats necessary for a wide receiver to win it. Carson Beck. I think there's just some old school mentality with the voters who are like, he'll be around for a couple of years. We'll get him maybe next season. JJ McCarthy does nothing for me at eight to one. Jordan Travis is when it starts to get serious, Bo Nix and Penix. But Penix, like all of a sudden, he's had some down games and they're now leaning on the running game. So usually his advantage was just absurd statistics where now that's taking a little bit of a backseat. So I I think in terms of value on the board right now, futures, if we're talking Alabama, I'm only thinking about Jalen Milrow to win the Heisman. Yeah, that's be a bigger payoff than all of those rollovers. I want to hop over to... Out West, Pac-12, and uh, get your guys' opinion on this. <laughs> Caleb Williams crying after the game, a tough loss to Washington. The defense, you know, do we feel bad for him? This, There's been some some hot takery on both sides of this. Uh, you know, the deleted tweet of him LOLing Max Duggan after Duggan was crying and, and Duggan going back after him. It's It's been very, very interesting. Stucky, I'll ask you, one, do you care about, about this? Does this... Does this uh, get your get your juices going at all? No, no. I mean, I, well, I, who cares? Uh, USC's done. They're dead to me. I kept uh, been fading them for two years, and then two. I bet them twice this year, and they and and then Caleb can't even go down and get a back door. Like they just gave up at the end, which is so annoying. Um, that was like the classic game where whoever yeah, it was going to be a back door. Whoever was down, you would think, but no. Um, no, I mean USC's irrelevant. They fired Alex Grinch, but here's the thing. The fact that Lincoln Riley held on to Alex Grinch for this long is so telling. We'll see who he hires next. But from everything I've heard, Lincoln Riley just doesn't even care about the defense, which would make sense is why he's had Alex Grinch for that long. So 
I'm not expecting a good hire, but in a way it like works for him because if you have a bad defense, like then your offense is just putting up tons of points and then you're getting all these offensive recruits and you're always having a Heisman quarterback because you can put up ton, ton of numbers. So I'm curious to see who he hires, but um, no, I don't care. I'll, I'm curious to see if Caleb Williams plays the rest of the year, but that's uh USC's irrelevant. I do not care. Oh, what'd you think of the tears? I mean, I could care less. I mean, I think showing emotion should be promoted and not bullied. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there's always going to be those people out there. And, you know, I mean, all of us take our share of social media roasting. I mean, I've been friends with Stucky long enough. He's he's my biggest roaster, which I'm happy to say that on Twitter. Although there was a guy this week that told me I'm a joke at the Action Network because I ranked Washington State 41st. But, I, I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I mean, there, getting roasting is a part of it. Uh, hopefully. I mean, you are you are a joke, but not because of that. Yeah, well, uh, someone that's centering in on Washington State's power ranking on a, on a Sunday morning is that's an interesting life that he's leading. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. Caleb's going to have to have some thick skin going into the NFL here. So, you know, I, I don't know if that affects his performance or if any NFL GMs will, if that affected the way that they think about him. What I do know from a college football perspective, I don't expect the Trojans to show up in Austin this weekend whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Calabrese, crying. What, what was your thoughts on it? It's almost like these people on Twitter are operating in bad faith. I know that's a crazy idea to consider the fact that they're trying to have it both ways. But like three weeks ago when he did his little press conference where he was very nonchalant, people were like, he doesn't care enough. And now he cares too much. It's like he can't win. So like who cares at this point? And the fact of the matter is like college football and college athletics in general, they it's become this like schism where it's like are you competing for the national title or not and if you're not then multiple players are either actually quitting the team like boise state's wide receiver just announced a couple hours ago he's just leaving the team in the middle of the season like what is going on with college athletics like the transfer portal has ruined it so i think at this point the fact that he was overcome with emotion like good for him is like a weird thing to say but like at least he's showing that it meant something to him and i also empathize a little bit in terms of he couldn't do more and there's still people that rip him up it's like if he had a mediocre defense they would have been probably in the college football playoff last year and maybe they win one of these games this year and they're still in it that's not his fault he can't play defensive back he can't generate havoc on his own like the defense couldn't be worse which is insane to think that his head coach like let him out to dry by not getting a defensive coordinator who knew what he was doing. He had every opportunity to do it in the off season. So frustration overflowing, like I get it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm kind of more on stuck side where it's like, it doesn't move the needle for me. If I was a GM, like, why would I care if he cried after a game? Like the, the kind of energy that is put into a football game in general, you always have that chance to have a kind of bubble over. And we don't know personally yeah. what happened to Caleb, right? I mean, maybe his dog right. passed away, maybe Papa's gone. I mean, we don't, we don't, I mean, it could be something completely unrelated to football and it's just been a traumatic week. Trust me, there are Saturday nights where I'm pouring a glass of scotch and I'm having a getting over a traumatic week. So, we, I mean, we don't know what's going on with the kid. I, I think that's a good point. Um, Stucky, Colin kind of went out, you know, said that you, you like to give him a hard time on Twitter. Is there, uh, have you had a, a Caleb Williams situation yourself or, uh, People reacted to something that you poorly online that you said or a take that you had uh, where you could have been in a situation like that. Uh, I mean, every, every, every Saturday, um, <laughs> uh, it's like from every Saturday in the fall and winter, but uh, yeah, it's all, I, I, I rip calm, but it's all in good fun. And it's part of, part of the extension of the podcast as well. Um, but the, yeah, as far as specific, like, Meltdowns, uh, yeah, every every Saturday. Let me give everybody the script. Every year, there's either one or a subset group of teams that are frauds, and some that are corpses. And when the frauds and the corpses actually either have a pulse or they play decent, competent football, Stucky goes irate, and then he gets twisted uh, on Twitter, and he just goes absolutely berserk. It's the same. It just depends on who the teams are. Like last last year was Oklahoma State. I thought Stuggy's head was going to fly off his shoulders with Oklahoma State, right? It's always a subset of corpses and frauds. Yeah. Stuggy, Stuggy, this year was kind of Oklahoma and it was working. It's been working out for you. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma was a fraud um, and they've been <laughs> exposed. So he, he uh, likes to bring up New Mexico State as a fraud. What so, was that? Yeah, Calabrese, did you hear that on the podcast? I even said, what is Diego the, dead? Like, why are we doing this? They're a Ponzi scheme. They've beaten nobody. They, they play, I mean, and they play like, nobody. They play no one on and, purpose. The athletic director schedules nobody's week after week. I, 
They're weak. La- last, I mean, they also lost to UMass in Hawaii. So um, the last week, your boy Diego put up 13 points against the Middle Tennessee defense. Um, and they cover because Middle Tennessee went, went two false starts in a row, driving to take a lead, and then miss a 30-yard field goal. And they drive to take the lead again and then can't get in the end zone. So, no, I was not impressed by New Mexico State. But they beat me. So, it is what it is. Diego, Diego. I put this on Twitter before. It's one of those – that New Mexico State bet, that's one of those bets in the sports book. You just throw the hood up. You go up to the counter. You cash the ticket. You shove it in your pocket. You walk straight out of the casino. You don't even come back. You don't even deserve that one. Calvary's, you have a you have a bad take or about any bad Twitter experiences to go along with Caleb? Uh, a couple of years ago for March Madness, I put together like a tournament of the best teams of all time. And I had the audacity to put 96 Kentucky as a two seed. And as soon as I press send on that, like at the time, I think I had like 4,000 followers. Like I had like a million impressions and I had big blue nation just coming with pitchforks for me. That was one where I needed to just close my computer, put my phone in the microwave, take a long walk because they were absolutely coming for me. So yeah, it's when you run a foul of like one of the top three or four biggest fan bases, like they will find you and they will not forget. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's difficult. Usually I like to stay in that mid major range where it's like how many Northern Iowa fans are there, you know, uh cumulatively but yeah it's it can be bad when you uh when you get in the crosshairs of a program like that so what yeah i I think to this point tim one time about 2018 i said that umass might relegate themselves to the fcs they might drop down and i found the umass heartbeat of twitter came at me it had to be 50 accounts came at me like we are never going to the fcs we are never dropping down we are i mean they were the most passionate umass people i've ever met maroon army assholes (laughs) We we saw just a again wish you know wish we had Brett for the a, a firsthand account of an incredible incredible bedlam game, uh, Oklahoma we mentioned Stucky you're frauds 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 what did you make of you know it just an incredible football game on Saturday, uh yeah I mean look it was the last bedlam so you were gonna get just uh, an amazing effort at home from Oklahoma State. I came away, you know, not, I, I don't think I changed either of my tune on either team. Uh, I'm actually fading Oklahoma State this weekend, laying over a field goal or, or laying a field goal or more at UCF. I mean, Oklahoma State's defense is problematic. Uh, they have two good linebackers, a couple decent cover corners, but there's not much at safety. There's not much on the D line. Uh, Gabriel went 26 of 37 for 350. Um, and you know, Oklahoma averaged five and a half yards per carry. And if you go back to Oklahoma State's last like five games, you know, I get they've had multiple defensive scores. They're winning the turnover battle by like two to three a game. So th- their defense has been very fortunate. The offensive revival is real because of Ollie Gordon. Um, you know, Oklahoma did a pretty good job, uh, you know, kind of keeping him in check for the most part compared to what he's been doing. I think he's still got to 150, but the Oklahoma State defense um, is still a problem. I think it will be a problem this week in a major letdown spot at UCF. I mean, and look, Oklahoma also had a, there was a game-changing PI that Oklahoma didn't get in the end zone, and they still had chances to win the game. But the fact that, uh, you know, there was a fumble late, they turned it over on downs late, there was the PI in the end zone. So I credit Oklahoma State for getting the win, but I would say Oklahoma also is a, a bit unlucky and that Oklahoma State defense is uh is problematic to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, you don't mean their uh, their defensive coordinator that they got from um Division Two in Pennsylvania, uh, Gannon. Three. Uh, yeah, Division three. There you go. Yeah. yeah I've actually liked where, some of the things he's he's been I, I've liked some of the things that I've seen as far as like adjustments that he's made. So I don't think he's the problem. It's just not they lost a lot of talent from from that defense. Yeah. How about you, Colin? Well, I mean, I loved it. I'm glad that the goalpost came down. It was, it was good to see Brett standing next to the goalpost that was broken down. That is, uh, That was a very sweet game that a lot of Oklahoma residents will remember for decades. And I think Gundy's kind of echoing uh, the sentiment that they will never play Oklahoma in the regular season again. Um, you decided to leave. We beat you on your way out. It's just not going to happen unless they meet up in a bowl. And then even then, you don't know if one of those teams would step out of it, you know, kind of like Kansas and Missouri last year. Missouri decided they didn't want to go to the Liberty Bowl. 
uh, and face Kansas, that could happen again. So I'm actually really happy for college football. I think it was a good send-off. Um, Oklahoma was a fraud. I just wish I would have uh, partaken against Kansas instead of waiting until uh, the pokes ran all over them. Good for you for bringing that up first before uh, one of us did. <laughs> um, Calabrese. First of all, no more slander on Gannon University. Go Golden Knights. It's on the French <laughs> Riviera of Lake Erie as a you know a keystone stater myself here in the Commonwealth. It's not going to stand for that. It's totally top five school in the Lake Erie Metroplex. Um, yeah, the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game, it just gets me madder and madder every year that we have slowly pulled apart the fabric of college football. College football is special because of these games. And the idea that everyone's hands were tied because we have to make more money, because TV networks have to make more money. Like, what if you came in and you're just like, yeah, Ravens and Steelers never get to play ever again, just because uh, Peacock or Discovery TV or Al Jazeera 2 bought the contract for the NFL. Like, it's just such horse shit. And I've just had it. Like, the, the amount of rivalries that mean something so much to both schools or even just one school. Like, yes, it was amazing for Oklahoma State. I'm glad that they have this. But I think in like four or five years, they'd be, you know, obviously wishing like everyone else, it'd be great if we could just play these guys in November again and be able to look forward to that. So that's where my frustration is. And then on the look ahead, I look at OU, they're laying 13 to a West Virginia team that I think is a lot better than what I expected. And I, I like Green, their quarterback, a lot. I feel like that is just too many points. That's like a look ahead spot that I'm I'm looking to target and punch in early in the week here. Um, because emotionally the letdown, even though they did play well against Oklahoma State, and I agree with Stuck's assessment that they got a little bit snake bit in that game with two straight losses. This is a tough game to get up for to absolutely blow the doors off a West Virginia team that's been improved year over year under Neil Brown. Um, I also think Calabrese will be looking at maybe some green rushing or uh touchdown numbers as well. If I could just get the pulse of you here. Um how about this? With this game being gone, obviously it's 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 a loss for all of us college football fans. Calabrese, if you could only watch one rivalry game for the rest of your college football viewing, which matchup are you picking? Uh, a part of me wanted to like get a little bit childish here and like pull like a, a nouveau G5 one. But if I'm going to be honest, it's just the Iron Bowl. I just love the Iron Bowl. I love what it means to both programs. If you've spent any time in the state of Alabama, it doesn't have to be football season. I mean, there's two seasons, it's football season and there's spring football season. So like everybody is talking about it all year round and what it means to the Auburn community when they spark that upset, like that to me, just from a viewing perspective and like putting together a movie every Saturday late in November that like becomes iconic. It's that game. So I don't want that one to go away. Colin, how about you? Oh, I was going to go with Iron Bowl because I think kick six is the greatest thing that this has ever happened in college football. It's just euphoric, but I'm going to go with the egg bowl because every Thanksgiving night, it is the most, it is, it delivers every single year. Uh, coaches get fired. Coaches get hired. The entire college football landscape has to be on notice when Ole Miss and Mississippi state play each other. You want to wonder about Matt Luke getting fired, how Lane Kiffin ended up in Oxford, how Mike Leach ended up down in, in Starkville. Like all of it is because of things that happen in the egg bowl. The egg bowl delivers every year. I would never want that one to go away. And plus, you have two teams that I literally think would rather just take their pads off and get into a fist fight instead of play football. True hate. True hate. Stucky, what about you? Uh, it's got to be Kent State Akron for the wagon wheel. Um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, if you could get a rivalry and an enti entire weekend of college football, why would you not take that? Like, what are you going to do week 15 if you don't have Army-Navy? So I'm going Army-Navy. Uh, it's the only game for an entire weekend. The pageantry, the show before and after, I grew up going to the game. It's service academies. It's my most profitable whenever they're involved. It's what my most profitable angles. Uh, so I love betting service academy games. So from a betting, viewing, and it's the only game on one weekend. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going Army-Navy. Because rivalries are getting watered down with new conference realignment. But the one that will never be watered down is Army-Navy. Great pick. Great pick. I think I would, I'm surprised, no Ohio State, Michigan. I think I would probably. Yeah, that would probably be, that would be my second. Yeah, I would probably go Iron Bowl one, that too. Um, Marblehead, Swamp Scott, every Thanksgiving. That, that's probably up there as well. But um, how about we go to Maction? We have a pretty loaded slate this week. We want to go by game by game here if we could. Colin, I'll start you if we could, uh, if you have a nugget or anything on one of the three Tuesday games and we'll go from there. 
Well, I'm definitely tentative on taking an under with all of these games. That's what I did last week, and they just got smoked. I mean, uh, Akron and Kent were firing off over 60 points, which is a little bit of a shock to me. But every home team also won and covered last week. Uh, (laughs) That one kind of got me. Maybe it's a Tuesday night thing. Maybe it's a Wednesday night thing. But I'm willing to play on that this week with Ball State and Northern Illinois. Ball State um, is eliminated from bowl season. They, They must win. This is a must win for Northern Illinois, who needs two of their final three to make it to bowl season. And the Huskies, they didn't even attempt to play in the first half last week. Like they were arm tackling. They were just olaying guys through. Then they showed up in the second half against Central Michigan. They scored 28 points. This is a good football team, I guess, whenever they decide that they want to play. Uh, They lost by six last week. So now they're really under the gun against a team that should be completely lifeless. I think it's seven. I think the spread is a little bit too high, but considering what Mac teams are doing at home so far with this really small sample set, I'll probably go Northern Illinois in the first half, which is at five and a half. I think this might come creeping down from 10 on the game. So I think I'm going to wait, but it will be Northern Illinois in the first half or full game. Yeah. Northern Illinois laying 10 right now. Um, Stucky, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I actually would disagree. I ball State was a buy on team for me. Uh, You know, they had a really tough opening season schedule. They played, uh, what Kentucky and Georgia, so they got really beat up to start the year. But they and they they went to their third quarterback Kelly, who was more of a runner, and they run just like this really basic read option. They were a really good running back in Cooper, one of the best in the MAC. And look, it's not they don't have many weapons on the outside. They also lost Brady Hunt, their best tight end for the season. But I think leaning into that running game is was the right idea with Kelly, who has wheels and uh, he looked more comfortable in running the offense made some throws last week against Bowling Green in the three-point loss. So they they're just run heavy now and they want to ugly up the games and you can run on Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois secondary surprisingly been very good, but their run D has been bad. So yeah, I think this is a bit too many points. Calvary's, did you want to share any thoughts on that game? Yeah, just quick. I, I like the team total over on Northern Illinois. Um, if Rukowitz is back for them, Casper, their wide receiver is, he was questionable last week. He's questionable here. If he, that's just one added weapon for them, I think they could absolutely blow past their team total of 26, even with that early season gauntlet that Ball State went through. We kind of know what they are at this point. They're 94th in success rate, 106th in havoc. So I think NIU is going to be able to move the ball and score here. I'm not going to mess with the spread. I think there's a good chance that they kind of play a little lifelessly on defense as they did last week. I don't want to get involved in that, so I'll just go on the team total. Are you serious? Maction, you gotta love it. Stuck, we, uh, where are we going? Uh, Western Michigan. I think Western Michigan's probably the look against Central Michigan. Central Michigan is sitting at five and four on the season, but, I mean, this is a team that's won a ton of close games. There's not much to really like about this roster. Bert Emanuel, he had the upside coming into the year, just never came to fruition. This Western Michigan team, they lost so much from last year, and they had a new head coach, so it was a struggle early in the season. But they played a lot better of late. One of the reasons is they they went to a third quarterback, too. All these teams have used, like, 10 quarterbacks, but they went to a third quarterback, Hayden Wolf, the old Dominion transfer, and he's given the offense some juice. Their freshman running back's also been pretty good. So I think Western Michigan's a team that's kind of trending up and – you know, Central Michigan, they've picked up some wins, but been pretty fortunate in close games. So I think Western Michigan's probably the look there. Yeah, Western Michigan laying three. Colin, do you have a thought on this game? Uh, the under for me, I said I didn't really want to play any unders here. It's a number that I make at 48. And I think the Central Michigan total in their game last week is completely fraudulent because Northern Illinois literally did not want to play once they saw the snow on the field last week. So I do like the under here, but I'm going to check the weather. Make sure this isn't a thing where the kids just don't want to come out and get out of their coats and play because that's what happened last week. But, uh, yeah, make the number 48. That was also yeah, just a classic snowver, like slippery yeah. conditions. Yeah, it's that, that's that's what happens in the MAC. But there's not supposed to be any weather uh, for what it's worth. I mean, Tuesday night in Kalamazoo, it's going to be 40 degrees. Yeah, I would be a guy that would want to just keep my jacket on on a Tuesday night. Uh, Calabrese, any thought on this game? Uh, this one's a pass for me. I, I guess if I'm just looking at the value, maybe the chips money line, just because I know that at least they can run and hit the home run on the grounds. Luke said 202 last week, Bauer can really run 
But outside of that, I, I kind of agree with Stuck's assessment where, you know, if you flipped one or two of those one possession games that they had the win, like their whole season, the the outlook is completely different. And Western, I agree, it's kind of hidden in the box score and the fact that they're still losing by double digits in some of those games, but they have played a lot better. So just from a value perspective, if it was like plus 150, maybe I'd consider the chips. But outside of that, it's a pass. Ohio is laying seven at Buffalo. Colin, quick thought. Uh, I think the number is a little bit too high. I think it should be six. Can you back Buffalo? Uh, it's a little scary to do that. Uh, I would say they're going to be able to probably limit Ohio in points. I don't know what's going on with Ohio. They were kind of embarrassing. It's Miami of Ohio. I don't know where they're at with that explosive offense. So uh, I would say Buffalo at seven. Stuck? Yeah, I agree. I'll probably be on Buffalo, and I hate this Buffalo team. I fade them uh, a lot. I, I think they're terrible. But this should be a lower-scoring game. Don't hate the under. Buffalo has no explosiveness whatsoever. They also do a good job of limiting explosiveness. Ohio has no explosiveness either in their offense. This offense is broken. Uh, I don't know. Their running back carry distribution doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know why Allison gets so many carries. But they lost Jacoby Jones early in the season to a season-ending injury. And he averaged, I think, like 18 yards per catch last year and right, right around the same amount this year. And that took away all of the explosiveness in the offense he was the deep shot he opened up everything underneath for wigless and company and now you know ohio can't really run it and they have nothing downfield so everything is in this box and it's all up to the maple missile rourke to get it done with like short passing and it's just not an efficient offense right now the defense has been pretty good but i think that they're a bit overrated in that aspect as well Buffalo has to win out for bowl eligibility. Ohio might be, you know, a little deflated after losing to Miami, Ohio. That pretty much like puts them behind the eight balls winning this division. Miami, Ohio is a massive favorite. So with the seven and what I think is going to be a lower scoring game, I think you got to look the bulls here. Calabrese, you're the caboose. Yeah, this is a letdown spot for Ohio. I'll take Buffalo first half plus three and a half. Their defense is actually rounded to pretty decent shape. And I agree, like when I watch Ohio, the way that they run their offense, given the skill position players that they have, just doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of what they put on the on the field and how they utilize players and how they string together plays for drives. Like this is a team that won five in a row this year. They beat Iowa State. But I have to like put all that aside and just look at the last couple of weeks. There's just something wrong with them. And mentally, it can be very difficult to know that you had the East up for grabs against a backup quarterback at Miami of Ohio and you laid an egg. So I'll go ahead and take the Bulls plus three and a half in the first half. That's the max shit personified, right? That is the Tuesday max slate uh, as we go through here just real quick to Wednesday. Colin, I'll let you get first dibs on a game on the Wednesday slate. Uh, I would take Akron here, uh, but I mean – it's better to let them get down by 35 and take them live on the money line. But, um, you know, Miami, Ohio, what are we playing for here? I mean, you have what sole lead in the division, you have a tiebreaker in play. I don't know what you're playing for. And I don't know why you need to beat anybody by 18 points. Could they dominate Akron on paper? Sure. Everything says that they should win this game by 19 and a half points. I'm not sure why they would want to have all their starters out there and be beating somebody by, you know, three scores at this point in the season. So for that reason alone, I think Akron has some value. Yeah, uh, um, Miami, Ohio laying 17 and a half, 18. Stucky, do you have a thought on this game? I don't know how Akron scores. Miami, Ohio defense is legit. Um, so, yeah, I, I would you – know, total's 42. I can't play an Akron under. Um, but I, I also can't play Akron. I mean, I this is a pass for me. Brees, let's go on a team total over on the Red Hawks. I know that they may empty their bench. I know that they may not be interested in having their foot down on the accelerator, but the Akron D is 124th and explosives allowed. Like you can hit three or four plays over 50 yards in this game and be on, right on your way to going over the team total over. So that's how I play it. All right, Colin, Bowling Green, Kent State. Yeah, I make the Kent State Bowling Green 33. That could get laughed at, but uh, again, with Kent State and Akron scoring 60 points, so I think 41 has some value on the under there. Stucky, uh, do you have something on this Bowling Green-Kent State game? Uh, I'm thinking about playing Kent, but I don't I don't know if I can actually put my money behind Kent State. He's only covered one game all year at Arkansas, Yep, the Danny knows Arkansas team. but And they also lost their top receiver, uh, McCray last week to an injury. I, I doubt he's going to look nasty. I doubt he's going to play. But Bowling Green, I mean, they first of all, they've been so fortunate with turnovers. So there's, there's some regression coming. And their entire offense is Terry on Stewart running the ball. And he's a really good running back. 
they can't really throw it. They don't have many weapons on the outside. And he, as a, he basically was on close to, I looked like he was going to have to be on crutches at the end of the game. I think he was a super high ankle sprain. I doubt he plays. Keith is okay. It's better out of the backfield catching the ball, his backup, but now their depth's really hurt. And he was just the focal point of that offense. So reluctantly, as of now, I, I lean Kent State, but God, uh, they're so bad. Yeah, that's why you follow Stucky in the award-winning action app to see if he will actually have a play on the Golden Flashes. Calabrese, anything? This is just a gross Mac under. Let's just go under 41 and a half. The Bowling Green defense, I agree, they are very fortunate with their turnover luck, but overall, they just have solid numbers, particularly by Mac standards. They've only given up 16 points per game across their last three. And Kent State last week, that was their shot. That was their shot for an FBS win. They blew it. I don't know if it's as big of an emotional letdown for like a school like Ohio, but a chance to win a division title or at least wrap one up. But I think everything's just trending down for them. So I see this being like a 17-6 kind of win for Bowling Green. Just get out of there because you got your own problems in terms of injuries on offense and you know just move on to the next game. Also, a win here gets Bowling Green to bowl eligibility. So I see, think you are going to see a focused effort from the Falcons. I love Maxion. I love Maxion. <laughs> Paul, and just close us out real quick on Eastern Michigan and Toledo. Toledo laying uh, in the 18 range. They're over under 46 and a half. Toledo, I like them to cover this number here. Every home team won at home last week. But Jason Candle's the one who wants to keep his offense in sync here. So I, I think Eastern Michigan is one of the worst teams in all of the MAC. So take, I, mean, I would take Toledo and swallow the points. Stucky. Uh, this is a bad, bad matchup for Eastern Michigan. They have no offense whatsoever. It is a bottom five offense. They can't really do anything. And now you're going up against a legit Toledo defense that, I, so I, I don't know how Eastern Michigan really scores here. And the Eastern Michigan secondary is the only bright spot on their team. Uh, you know, Scandrick at safety, Shine at corner. And they have this kid, Daquan Wright, I think his name is a true freshman. He's been graded out as one of the best corners in the country. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, so their secondary has been pretty good. Everything else is bad. I mean, everything. Uh, so, but Toledo wants to run the ball and you can run all over Eastern Michigan. So they should be able just to, to run down Eastern Michigan's throat, hit a bunch of explosives in that aspect as well. I know Chris Creighton's their Eastern Michigan's head coach is good as an underdog. They're well coached because they won't get a ton of penalties. They're good on special teams, but they're just overmatched here. I don't know how they score and I don't know how they stop Toledo's rushing attack. Calabrese, can you sh- Eastern Michigan score? Uh, no, which is why I'd look for them on a live number if Toledo scores first. Field goal, touchdown, maybe I'm interested. Because you got to remember, this is a Rockets team that's 2-3 and three against the spread in MAC play. They're eighth against the spread in terms of margin um, in, in the MAC. You know, they fall below the closing number by four points per game. So Candle and this team, historically, they, they have their mess arounds game every so often in Mac play. And they're already not just, you know, an ironclad lock as clearly the most powerful team in the conference to run away with games, but 18 and a half still not enough for this. This Eagles offense is it's a disaster. I don't see how they can even generate, let's call it 10 points in this game. So I got to get a nice juicy number on the live line, maybe an overreaction to an opening score for the Rockets. Nothing says Wednesday night, like having the browser open for live betting um, Eastern Michigan and Toledo. BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Calabrese, did you come prepared with a sources stumper with no Brett McMurphy today, are you going to fill in for us? It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. There I go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. Of course I did. All right, here we go. It's the BCS show, so why don't I have a trivia question here that includes the BCS. All right, if you take the old school 1v2 in the BCS era and the college football playoff, Seven programs have been oh so close, but have failed to make it either to the BCS title game or the college football playoff. So that means in the BCS era, pre-bowls, they finished in that third, fourth, or fifth slot. And in the college football playoff era, they finished in that five through seven slot. There's seven teams. Five of them have done this twice. One of them has done it three times. And one is snake bit in such an incredible way. They've done it four times. So this is basically Uh, the just missed it. 
question. This is, this is the just missed it programs of college football since 1998. All right. I'm going to need to write this down. So five, so, so not, not the, it's five through eight, basically. I'm completely lost. Uh, five through seven in the college football playoff era. And then three through five in the BCS era, 98 through 2013. One final caveat, always the bridesmaids. They never made the BCS title game. They never made the college football playoff. Gotcha. I'm ready. All right, Colin, kick us off. Texas A&M. No. No, they made a, they made a BCS. They're like fifth right. every year. They they never made the BCS title game either. They never made the college football playoff, but oh. they're like fifth. Yep. No, they're not one of the teams, huh? Mm-mm. So these teams never made both. Yeah, they never made the BCS title game. They never made the college football playoff. I actually thought as I was thinking of this question, Colin, oh, it had to be A&M. And I was like, yeah, I'll yeah. just go to the Johnny football year where they surged down the stretch. They were like eight or ninth when they went to that Cotton Bowl. So they weren't quite in the outside looking in of the college football playoff because they had two losses. Wow. Colorado. Incorrect. Colorado did it once when they were, I want to say it was 2001, that BCS year where they beat the breaks off of Nebraska at the end of the regular season. Then they had that crazy win over Chris Sims and Major Applewhite in the Big 12 title game. And they were left at third instead. They sent I thought Nebraska. that was the question. Teams that were third through three through five. Right, but they, they only did it once. They, there was only that one time where they did it. These other schools have all done it at least twice. One school's done uh, it three times. Okay. Another school's done it four times. Okay, it's me. Oklahoma State. Also incorrect. Oklahoma State has not done it. My BCS brain's going off here. I have to dip way back. Uh, let's go with um, Missouri. Incorrect. They're, they had a year, though. Wasn't the Chase Daniel year right there? They almost played for the national title? Damn. All right. Yeah, that was 07. They were right on the doorstep, but that was the only time they did it. Penn State? Penn State has done it twice, so that's the first one on the board. <laughs> you are correct. That was my guess. I have it written down. Well, you got to come up with another one now. How about... Ole Miss. Incorrect. Uh, Kansas oh. State's coming up to mind. It's Kansas State yeah, is, is correct. Yes. Absolutely. Kansas State on the list. So you guys got two of the two-timers. You're missing three other two-timers, a three-timer, and a four-timer. Wisconsin. Mm, Wisconsin is correct. That was going to be my next guess. Now you guys, now you guys are rolling. Okay. Uh, West Virginia. Incorrect. I suck. I don't want to hear any laughing out of anyone with this. Let's go with the, uh, what is it? The Collie Massey what, National Champions, what, what, the Collie Matrix. Let's go with Central Florida. Incorrect. <laughs> uh, Iowa? Correct. Oh All right, now, now we're cooking with gas. You need one more two-timer and then the three-timer and the four-timer. I'll go Vatek. They played in the national title in 99 against Florida State. I was one year old. <laughs> He's just a baby. Can we go Boise State? Boise State only did it once. Uh, it was, I want to say 2010 when they were right there at third. And then they had, well, they didn't even do it. They had a chance to. And then Colin Kaepernick knocked him out on Black Friday in that double Statue overtime. Statue of game. Liberty was what, seven? January 7th? seven, but they came into that uh, Fiesta Bowl like 10th or 9th in the country. Oh, crap. Because they had, they had no schedule back then. Uh, let's go Stanford. Stanford is the ultimate just on the outside looking in team. They've done it four times. So you guys are down to the very last one. It's a fun game. Um, <laughs> Utah. Incorrect. Oh, man. Every time I come across a name, it's like there's one little sliver they got in. So I, I'll go with Mississippi State. Incorrect. Uh, Cal? Nope. Stick in the same conference, UCLA. Incorrect. UCLA did it, I want to say once. They were probably fifth that first year in 98. Don't think anyone said Louisville. Should we go Louisville? Let's go Louisville. Incorrect. Incorrect. All right. Tennessee? Champions. Oh, they won. Yeah. They had won yeah. fucking uh, 98. Since yeah. 98. All right. Well, I lost my turn. <laughs> T. Martin, baby. That's for Tim. <laughs> well, uh, he's named after uh, T. Higgins is named after, so I do know that. Um, North Carolina. Incorrect. Looking at this list of teams, is like none of these could be the answer. I think I got it. I better come up with a good one here. 
You know what? There was a time when Nebraska football was good. I'll go with Nebraska. Not of a con Sioux should have won the damn Heisman. So I'll go with Nebraska. They did play for the 0-1 Natty when they got obliterated by Miami. Yep, that's right. Ralph. Uh, I'm going to go USC. Nope. Oh, duh. No. <laughs> back to back. Oh, you are dumb sometimes. Yes, I know. I'm an idiot. That's the thing. The little single BCS uh, national championship games get you. You can parachute in as a big winner here, Tim. I was praying Stucky would get it so I didn't have to give another guess. <laughs> Uh, Washington State. No. Okay, Washington I got it. Because in the initial college football playoff ranking, this team was right there. And then there were other teams where they had a Heisman winner. So I'll go Baylor. Baylor is correct. Three times uh... Baylor has done it. Which is incredible. But the Stanford one always blows my mind. Between that and how many Heisman runner-ups they've had, they've been on the cusp of college football greatness for a while now. But I'm not. What been was what was the list again? So Stanford four times, Baylor three times, Iowa, K State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and you guys got another one. I feel like, but I accidentally deleted it. So let's guess the got... one we forgot. <laughs> uh, In other words, we're winging it as usual. I got four. Colin got three. Tim was shot out. Tim was also here. So it was good. Tim was here. <laughs> Naked lap for me. That is that is embarrassing. That You're is too young. You're too young to go fast. That's bad. Um okay. Let's do uh USC fires their defensive coordinator. Also some shenanigans going on at Colorado with the old play caller situation. Um Shador Sanders uh, baited into the question says yeah, I'm not going to answer it. I, what made me this all led me to what is the best scenario in college football? And the scenario being, if they just had this, they would be good because it's USC with the defense. Maybe it's Colorado with an offensive line. Colin, do you have a good, if they had this scenario, maybe it's Arkansas's offensive coordinator. I don't know. Uh, if Ohio state had Connor Stallions, they would win the national title. <laughs> <laughs> cheeky, cheeky Calabrese. If James Madison had eligibility, they'd play in the New Year's Six Bowl game as the best G5 team. And it's just an incredible crime against humanity. And at this point, I think this is when they should just start breaking from the NCAA and just show up at the Cotton Bowl anyway. They can play two teams, one at half, they'll switch over. But the Dukes, if they run the table, deserve to be the team. Because at this point, who are they competing with? Like Tulane's looks like crap, like the last three weeks. Liberty, like that's it. So James Madison, give them their eligibility. That's what's missing. Stucky. I got a couple. If Ohio State had a quarterback, they would win the national title. If North Texas actually started Chandler Rogers from the beginning, they might have a few more wins instead of Stone Earl. If Penn State, James Franklin actually practiced throwing downfield before the Ohio State game, they would have won that game. And if Arizona started Noah Fafita from week one, they would be potentially undefeated right now. And my last one is if we changed all the rules and let Arizona into the college football playoff, they might win it all. <laughs> a couple of the obvious ones we missed were uh, at least one of them iowa with an offense that would lsu be with the defense lsu with the defense i'm trying to think with um clemson clemson with a coach oh, oh clemson with the transfer that. portal for sure clemson, clemson, clemson with, with the, the transfer portal, portal. other than miss with a quarterback i mean we could go forever here <laughs> um te texas a&m with uh if they pass the hat around in week one yeah, a couple good ones here. Utah, uh, possibly, if they had rising healthy, maybe. Could be a yeah, good one. that's a good one. Uh, Colin and Mike, but one final thing here. Are we are we betting Penn State this weekend? No, I, I, I have as many tickets on Penn State as you guys do. I have them in like parlays to win the, the Big Ten with other championships. I got them to win the Natty. I Yeah, so I, I'm actually surprised the number. What is it, sitting at four? I'm actually four surprised. Five and yeah, I... To me, that would have been if they lost to Ohio State, but their offense looks functional, or if this was a whiteout game at night. So I don't see any. So basically, this is like a little bit below the number. If anything, I may, may take Michigan. I'm not going to like it, but. Yeah, I make the game five. So I think the market's right in line. I've uh, cracked the uh, file and started writing it for uh, everybody this weekend on Action Network. And I can tell you that I led the article off with Penn State, Two weeks ago, only had 15 shots over 20 yards. In the last two weeks, they've had 12. 
So I have to do a complete re-diagnosis of what the hell's going on with Mike Yurcich's office because all uh, offense, because all of a sudden we like to throw downfield. There's a healthy appetite for explosives. Yeah, you also could see like there's we'll talk about this, break this down in depth later. But one comment I'll have is this is a tough spot for Michigan. Penn State had to do the same thing. They played clowns, right, for weeks. And then you have to go and play an opponent on the road who's on your level, right? Like, that's difficult to do after two months of clowns. Like, when Penn State went to Ohio State, it was, oh, shit, this is what it's like. And Ohio State already played Notre Dame. And um, so that's – there's also a lot we don't know about Michigan. Like, we know they're really, really good, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly how good because they literally have played nobody. Um, So Penn State needs to get off to a fast start here and take advantage of that. But we'll talk about that later in the week. And I, I yeah. wonder about this sign stealing thing, how it applies to this series specifically, a series that has been, I don't know, won by Michigan. Well, last year they won 41 to 7. 2018, they won 42 to 7. I mean, the sign stealing is supposedly started in 2021, but uh it's been all Michigan since that happened, uh, especially against Penn State. So how much of that was them getting uh such as signs, uh, maybe Manny Diaz's signs last year? Who who knows how much that played a part, but Michigan winning 41 to 17 over Penn state last year, I think is a bit of an aberration. I mean, these are, these are two teams that are not that far apart in talent. I think, I think we can expect the public to be all over Michigan after uh, just, you know, the snapshot of Penn state against Ohio state. It's going to might take a little something to want to back that team after that game. Um, At least for me personally, I feel that way. Um, Honorable mention too. back to the other question. Oregon State, if every game was played in Corvallis, we we forgot that one too. We we uh we like to touch on that one. Um, I escape here somehow. No one says how great Clemson's win was over Notre Dame. No one says Tim, your team's so awesome. You know, no we one's buying it. stock, we it, so it didn't matter. I guess that's fair. Dame. You bought the stock. You bought the stock. Notre Dame fade. That's all that was. It was the best bet on Saturday morning. Thanks for watching, Tim. <laughs> yeah. I I was already on Clemson. Didn't need your help. <laughs> Didn't need, to, didn't need to go to another source. I was already, I already was on it. So thank you guys. Well, well done. Well done buying in on the Tigers when the stock was low. Calabrese, appreciate you filling in because that'll do it for this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. The podcast does return Wednesday with you, Calabrese, alongside Mike Ionello for your group of five deep dive before Colin and Stucky. They do their big betting preview episode and that comes out late Thursday. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. Thank you, guys. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.